welcome to episode four of the HOW Shift podcast. You lose some, you gain some. Just a quick heads up that we did have some audio issues towards the end of this podcast, so there is some rogue clicking. Hope it doesn't detract from your enjoyment. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the HOW Shift podcast. I'm Katie. I'm John. And today we're here to talk about an issue that is really close to our hearts because it's about losses and gains and the ways in which the potential for losses or the potential for gains are effective at motivating people. And this has really come to our attention recently because of all of the controversy that we're seeing here in the UK around Brexit, which we may come on to talk to in a little while. But we also just wanted to talk broadly because it's something that comes up a lot in our research and a lot of our clients ask us about. And we really wanted to do a little bit of an evaluation of what makes a claim more effective, whether it's framing it as a potential to lose something or a potential to gain something. This is something that's been pretty well studied in a lot of literature, and particularly in the area of behavioral economics, the Nobel Prize in economics that Daniel Kahneman and Amos Traversky won was actually on prospect theory, which is essentially how losses are more powerful than gains. So people will be one and a half to two times as motivated to avoid losing something as they would be to gain something equivalent. And this is called loss aversion. Uh, and that's really what, that's what they won the Nobel Prize for. So it's got a really strong basis in, in academic research and in, in behavioral economics as it's a pretty foundational topic. But we were really interested in kind of how this manifests in some of the advertising that we all see in our everyday lives and also how it might manifest in the way that we think about what would be effective for brands to claim off the back of the research that we do. So what John and I have done is we've kind of gone away and looked at some common advertisements. John looked at ads that have a gain framing or a potential to gain something. And I've looked at some ads that use loss aversion or attempt to use loss aversion. And we'd like to just have a little bit of a discussion about what is common to these ads, how effective they are, what makes them effective, in what situations they tend to be used, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think with the ads that I was trying to look at, I was very much trying to find something in terms of gains that is offering you something above and beyond what you have at the moment. I think would be a good way to describe it. And I think interestingly, what we'll kind of see is that no ad uses gains or losses as a dichotomy, like uses one or the other. A lot of ads try to kind of utilize both in a way. But yeah, that was my my agreement was very much let's try and find more sort of optimistic or they tend to be quite positive ads where you're you're gaining something using the service, buying the product, that sort of thing over um, potentially losing something by not using it. Yeah, and and I think what we both discovered was that A, it's difficult to to find ads that are making specific claims or promising gains Mm. or threatening losses. A lot of the ads that we see in consumer world are kind of general and brand based, so aren't necessarily talking specifically about their benefits in in either framing, like John said, or they're using a bit of both. Yeah, and I think that's kind of an interesting point because I know before we set out to actually do this, we were originally going to look at the idea idea of just negative versus positive campaign yeah and we sort of veered away from that in the end because we realized that in the commercial sphere it's it's a lot more difficult to kind 
and use negatively framed campaigns like they tend to sort of go for a more positive or optimistic sense whereas sometimes in the healthcare sphere it is it is different and it's a bit more possible to use motivators like fear or negative emotions compared to positive emotions so i think we just keep that in mind as well that we've we tried to keep it more commercially focused and so when we talk about loss aversion sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean negative it's more around say a good example is you can miss the opportunity to do something you can miss the opportunity to buy this product or use this service that's playing on the idea of loss or missing an opportunity but it's not necessarily a, a particularly negative feeling exactly spot on john because that is also something that I know a lot of our clients struggle with when mm. we recommend using loss aversion to try and help motivate people is that they're like, yeah. oh, well, we really don't want our campaign to be negative. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a negative framing or a negative tone. It can yeah. just be a act now to secure this benefit or don't let this benefit get away from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you could argue the kind of efficacy arguments are sometimes based around loss aversion where it's, you, you know, you don't want to miss the opportunity opportunity to have a more efficacious treatment where it's not necessarily playing on a particularly negative emotion but it's it, it's kind of missed opportunity again absolutely cool so yeah i mean having managed to dig out some ads that have some loss or gain framing what kind of things have we discovered what did you find john when you were looking at the gain framed ads what are the types of ads or claims that you saw? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of different direct um, companies seem to go with it. I think you can gain something quite tangible or quite physical, first of all, where you can gain, gain a better product, gain something that's sort of offering you more than competitors. That seems to be one angle that you can go down. Then the other big angle that I was finding was you were selling something on the idea of gaining something psychologically. So feeling better or feeling more confident, feeling more positive. That was the the other angle that the, the gain-led ads were taking. So first one that I find, so I, I went towards American adverts that were aired during the Super Bowl, first of all, because it was it's such a big prime time window for advertising. So I, I looked at a list, which were ironically the big losers and winners is what it was called of like the Super Bowl ad, ad space. Yeah. And one of the ones that came up was um, for Nike. And it wasn't necessarily selling a product, as in it wasn't selling a new pair of trainers or shoes or any sort of equipment. It was more just selling the brand. But what they were quite clever in doing is that um, the whole campaign was called hashtag better for it. Quite a funny advert where it's mainly female led. And it's the idea of women who start exercising or are increasing the amount of exercising that they're doing. And it's all those inner thoughts that you have like those negative inner thoughts so it's like someone who sets out to train for running a half marathon and the idea is that oh well there's no shame in running half of a half marathon or someone that starts doing yoga and it's like oh good I got the spot in the yoga room that's like right behind this group of models that's going to make me feel really good about myself and the idea is that it's like pushing through these inner thoughts are going to make you ultimately feel better for it so the idea of what you're gaining is gaining a better feeling of self-esteem and you're feeling better for kind of conquering any negative thoughts and pushing through. What's interesting about that is that, as I say, it's not really selling product in any way. What they're trying to do is encourage a more positive attitude towards exercise. And then as a byproduct of that, you're possibly going to remember Nike more. And when you're stocking up or equipping, start exercising. And on your journey to feeling better for exercising, you know, Nike might be a bit more prominent in your mind when it comes to buying trainers and that sort of thing. But that was that was a really good example of the, the psychological gains. It's, it's a positive advert in a way where it's you know it's sort of 
pushing that idea of sort of sporting greatness in a way like pushing through a pain barrier pushing through an embarrassment barrier but ultimately feeling better for it and that's the whole hashtag campaign around it that's great and i like that as well because it really folds in some other themes that we've seen in a behavioral perspective about Mm. your conception of the self and your ego feeling good about yourself as a motivator and specifically speaking to those benefits and interestingly one of the ads that i came across that is in the loss of virgin space is the snickers one which is you're not yourself when you're hungry or you're not you when you're hungry which is using loss aversion on that so it's like you are not fully yourself without this you're not yourself you're not a full person unless you've had a snickers (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're less than yourself without the product and it's interesting because what i could do is take a very different angle there and you could go for the gains led performance based angle where you could promote the specifications of trainers and how they're going to lend to better technique. Yeah, that's very feasible. You know, when you go to buy trainers, you do see the different types and you see the stands that have the explanation of toe to grind to heel sort of movement and that sort of thing. And that's how you increase time. Like if you're into competitive running, from what I understand, I have a friend who does it. Like it gets improved through technique. So Nike could go down that road and promote the gain of you're going to gain better technique. But interestingly, they've not really done that. They've kind of gone for broader, easier to quant. Well, there's less burden of proof on if you start to go down a specification argument, then you're competing against other people. That is a really interesting point. And I'd like to discuss that actually more broadly when we think about Mm. what makes loss or gain framing work well in that a lot of the loss aversion ads I was able to find were very specific about what you're losing or there's a discount of this much that will be gone in this many days. It's incredibly precise about exactly what the likely impact is, or more specific, I should say. But like you say, those gain framings, those benefits often work well when you take it one step along the chain. So it's not just that you gain you know, the ability to go to the exercise class by buying this trainer that gives you a specific benefit to that functional object. It's the benefit along from that one step removed about the benefit to you as an individual, yeah. a less quantifiable benefit. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Like the burden of proof when you make a claim against another product or a company is you have to demonstrate it so if you don't increase your time there could be a lot of people recording time saying i never increased my time with these new nikes yep like it, it wasn't quantifiably better whereas it's very difficult to say it didn't make me feel better as a person because then that's so layered and so complex that no one's even going to bother engaging in that argument yeah what else did you find in the gain frames kind of sticking with the the super bowl ads for one more um there's quite an interesting one for bumble have you heard of it the the dating app yes so the idea of bumble is it's the female-led dating app so it's kind of like the idea of tinder where you find matches and profiles but then bumble's usp is it waits for women to make the first move and contact their matches or if it's same sex then element doesn't exist but um the ad during super bowl campaign was it was serena williams uh promoting bumble which again is kind of an interesting idea of when it's when they start to use celebrities as well that can be very compelling in terms of what you're going to gain and 
the idea of this campaign was very much around gaining control and gaining power. So, and obviously with Serena Williams, like a very powerful tennis player who's achieved a lot. So she kind of really fits this idea of empowerment quite well. But the idea was that it's not waiting. So don't wait. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. Don't wait to be given power because it's here and they won't tell you that you already have it is the idea of this advert. So it's you make the first move in work, in love and in life was their campaign. It's very much, again, it's empowering, but it's for me, the message I kind of took from it was it's very much about gaining control and power in this dating dynamic is what they were going for. So it's interesting, though, because this is a good example of loss aversion kind of creeps into this. I was thinking that. Yeah. Don't delay, because if you delay, then you could miss like your perfect match. Yeah. So I quite like this one because I think this is realistic of like how these ads work in terms of loss and gains. And it's not really a dichotomy always. Yeah. Um, you know, you can play on both. Um, but these are, these are kind of, these were TV commercials. So what I kind of started to look at after that was, because you can be a lot more layered with video and audio commercials where you've kind of got a couple of minutes in a space to give quite a layered message. So what I was trying to do then was look for more visual, you know, like billboard side adverts. And I thought the most obvious one to go to was car adverts because they are best example of promoting something on a more nebulous gain rather than trying to promote something quite complicated like the specifications of a new car. So if, if car adverts were honest and you promoted them on, okay, we've developed this new car, it's gonna go X amount of times faster than your other car or it steers slightly better or you know, it's, it's quite nebulous. So what they often do is they often play to personality and emotion and how it's gonna make you feel. I kind of looked at the top 50 most sort of interesting car adverts according to one article. What I managed to find was, so I, I've just picked, I've sort of handpicked some very specific examples, but one was for Mitsubishi. And the idea is it's kind of like for a, a Jeep or like got a picture of the Jeep and you've got the picture of these massive seats beside it. That are, and it says, you'll feel bigger inside was the tagline for the, the Mitsubishi. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is just kind of twofold. It's like, this is more spacious than your current car and you'll feel bigger inside side like it's kind of what the car adverts seem to do a lot is play into this idea of achieving a dream or a goal or a kind of fantasy of driving a really big car yeah Uh, i love the play on words as well it's really good it's really Really clever once i saw that i thought that's excellent because what i like about these visual billboard style adverts is you've got one tiny window like when you see that you really need to get that message across really clearly visually and in a very small amount of text. Yeah. So so Mitsubishi was you feel bigger inside. Audi then their advert was their their visualization was very just standard with their five rings. Um, or it's the four rings, sorry, but they're they're adding a fifth ring onto their logo and it's just very simply just says more of quality. So we offer our models with extra equipment at an extremely low price. So that is tangible gains in its most basic form there, really. You're going to get more quality you, and, and also you're going to get extra equipment. So you're just getting more uh, and it's at a lower price as well. So lucky you. So the car adverts have kind of really 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 got it down in terms of the gains led advertising like there's not so much a fear of loss anywhere in those examples it's more just you'll get this you'll get this this is what you're going to get yeah gains 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 yeah yeah that's interesting because i also ended up down the road of billboard style advertisements or newspaper advertisements and i think as we kind of alluded to before one of the things 
that was just easy to observe is that for a lot of consumer brands, their ads aren't even necessarily yeah, making claims in, in any particular direction. Um, they're just, you know, using clever, um, memorable, yeah. memorable ads rather than making any kind of specific claims. Whereas if you look at billboard ads or newspaper ads, you come across more examples. And where you saw a lot of car advertisements talking about the potential for gains, I saw a lot of fast food advertisements and right. travel advertisements talking about um, the potential for loss. But specifically in, as I mentioned, really tangible timeframes or tangible intangible ways. So talking specifically about act now and save 10%, hurry, only seven days, quantities are limited free sandwich before 9am quantities are limited for a limited time only so very kind of finite specific attempts at galvanizing consumers to do specific things yeah so taking action more quickly in particular seems to be the kind of aim of most of the lost aversion ads that are using it in a very kind of explicit and direct way. So there, there are a couple of great examples of, you know, you have an additional discount if you make your purchase now, um, mm. or that great use of retargeting based on uh, cookie browsing data that says um, you looked at this and only this many quantities of that are left. So act now um, oh, and don't yeah. miss out. Yeah, like the sort of airline travel hotel yeah. system of like five people are looking at this yes yeah yeah i noticed an interesting one booking a hotel where i knew the hotel like i'd stayed in the hotel before and um what it what it did on on the website was like a comparison website that i was looking at it, it was just a quite small i say a hotel it was actually more of a bnb and it did that thing where there it says there's only one room left of this type so like a double room there's only one more left on our site now i know that that hotel only has two of those rooms <laughs> so it's actually not booked at all so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually in the best possible position in terms of getting that because the two double rooms are free so it was the, the way they spun that was quite interesting where yeah it works in a in a bigger chain hotel where you see like oh there's only one of these left or there's this amount left you know act fast whereas i just thought it was quite funny where when i had the context i felt less incentivized to act quickly because yeah if it's the day before and they still have their two only double rooms free i think i'm gonna be okay yes yeah and that's that's interesting as well that you kind of observe that because I think where I saw loss aversion being used more directly, it tended to be in those kind of specific situations where they were trying to get us as consumers to take action immediately. So I think, yeah, discounts, coupons, you know, deal reduction for pre-order, a lot of it was, you know, time limited trying to create that sense of urgency or scarcity to get people to act more quickly and make those decisions now, which again, I think there's a lot of evidence from the behavioral sciences community about how if you create space for people to delay their decision-making, they will delay their decision-making, They will, there will inevitably be attrition. So I think there are still, although these are relatively simple 
situations, there's still implications that are valuable for us as healthcare researchers to think about. There's almost always a benefit from getting people to do something now mm-hmm. in creating that kind of urgency and not giving them room to delay and overthink decision-making. So most of them were kind of things like that. Uh, car phone warehouse said you could be wasting 194 pounds a year on the wrong phone tariff. I noticed a lot of that. You know the kind of clickbaity internet ads? Mm-hmm. That was the next kind of route I went to where I thought I'm just going to visit some websites and see what starts to come up. Nice. But um, but but the loss I've seen more loss aversion stuff initially where um, it was kind of ads aimed at people who wanted to have that ad space. So it was like you're losing X amount of money on your current ad click provider. So it was kind of quantifying. It's quite powerful when they quantify it with an actual figure. So I think you mentioned that as well. Like you could be losing 194 pounds, I think you said. It was a very specific Mm -hmm. number. Yes, yeah. Um, Because it's like, it's that age-old fear of losing. Like the loss aversion example that they seem to use in textbooks is losing money. Like that's the most kind of pertinent one, right? Like you're, you're losing money, like you're... And that's a really good point as well. So I think to kind of start to wrap up our discussion you know it does seem like there's something to be said for the gains to be quite broad and aspirational and general and unquantifiable but the losses to be very finite and specific and to some extent measurable but i would also maybe go so far as to say what's the word i'm looking for visceral like Mm. something really intense that people have strong emotions towards can also be quite powerful in in loss in using loss aversion as well as more kind of specific quantifiable observable things because that's kind of what we saw taking it back to the the brexit example that the leave campaign said let's take back control so applying that something implying that something had already been lost saying we send the eu 350 million let's fund our nhs instead so that's a very quantifiable one um but taking back control and some of the more emotive and more criticized ads about immigration and extremism might be more in the camp of just something incredibly visceral that is also very powerful as a yeah, loss aversion tactic. Also, also, again, it's financially focused. It's money focused. It's a very specific monetary figure. Whereas um, with the the kind of regaining or take back control element, that is very sort of personal. That's quite nebulous. It's sort of personal to each individual person who interacts with that message and invests in that message. Yeah. Whereas, like, what a powerful thing to just put an actual figure and say. As a, so not you personally are losing 350 million, but as a country that you live in, we're losing 350 million. Like it, I think there's yeah. a lot to be said for quantify when it comes to finance in loss aversion, quantifying it. Definitely. And the NHS Behavioral Insights team did a study on looking at reducing do not attends for yeah appointments and they used a loss aversion framing that said do not attend or missed appointments cost the nhs you know 66 million pounds a year or something and they gave a specific figure for the do not attend cost and found that actually adding that specific figure made it much more effective at galvanizing people to attend their appointment i think it could be potentially 
the more specific figures come into it when you have a very specific comparator that you're trying to dissuade someone away from. Because a lot of the ads I was looking at, I was looking at kind of broadband deals, and you've got quite a small competitive set, a small competitive space. So the ads start to, you know, they start to change a little bit where you have Virgin competing against BT and Virgin are saying you're going to get five times faster broadband. They've quantified their speed through speed tests and they're able to say, you know, you're going to get five times more. So whereas with the car ads, you kind of have to compare to a much wider competitive set. You know, every competitor who offers another car you know you can't compare to all of them all the cars yeah yeah exactly yeah. it's hard to compare to all the cars so like with the brexit example it's so easy because it's yes or no leave or stay yeah so it's, it's easy to quantify against one other thing yeah agree and i think the reason we started looking at well because brexit is obviously very top of mind for those of us in britain um we were thinking and reflecting on that referendum but we also noticed that the the remain campaign tended to use more gain framing so uh their ad said things like vote remain today more jobs workers rights a stronger future britain stronger in europe more jobs lower prices that kind of thing but then i guess you could also say to some extent it's difficult you know they didn't use a lot of loss aversion but it is also difficult to be the incumbent as in you know to be the status quo and get people to vote for no no change yeah because i guess the leave campaign had that benefit of they were able to dig out that statistic of 350 million because it's, you know, it's an easy comparator to the past whereas did the remain campaign name exactly how many more jobs are created through eu membership no and I think it's interesting as well because I saw there's a Campaign Live website that I came across that was ads rejected from the Remain campaign that did use more loss aversion. So I think this is one of the binds that we see our clients often getting tied up in around wanting to be positive and not wanting to be negative. And again the perception that a loss framing is negative and so they didn't run any of the ads that we're talking about don't lose your influence don't lose our freedom of movement don't lose you know they didn't frame anything as a loss aversion framing yeah, yeah. it was about strength and more more jobs rather than look at all these great benefits yeah and i think that's probably one of the main learnings from this like you said john in terms of loss and gain framing are often used together and that probably is where they're used to the greatest effect in that there's potential for protect yourself against a big loss but also to gain something small or gain something intangible uh, that you can work towards as well as moving away from something so you're not just moving in one direction or another you're kind of leveraging the power of both of them and really underscores the importance of of testing both so wherever possible running kind of a b tests or testing loss framing and gain framing because the thing i love about using loss aversion is that 
a lot of the research has suggested it's most effective when we are cognitively depleted. So when we don't have a lot of mental headspace to weigh up benefits and drawbacks, then we're almost in a primal state just saying, I'm going to move away from the potential to lose something. I'm just going to avoid the risk rather than over-rationalizing things to, to any extent. I'm not quite sure where to leave it. It is quite difficult. And I think that's where, you know, there is a lot of evidence that suggests that loss aversion works well. But what we've what we've seen being used and being used successfully and get and gaining a lot of attention, obviously, yeah, comes from both camps. So it's really just I guess the call to action from this is really just that more brands should be thinking about using loss aversion, but to not just use it willy-nilly but to think about realistically what is the what is the action that you want to create at the end of your campaign and what is going to be the most effective way to get there if what you want to create is a warm fuzzy feeling about your brand gain framing and in particular kind of really aspirational emotive gains might be the way to go yeah i think interestingly as well if you have a, a competitive advantage over the competitive set, so to speak, if you know that you are better or you have a better X, Y, or Z, I think using the, the gain-based approach is quite simple then and quite simplistic. Whereas if potentially that's not the scenario where you don't necessarily have a better product, you have another product, so everything is on par or equal. Maybe that's where you can start to use techniques like loss aversion and starting to you know, instill a sense of urgency or start to use the more psychological aspects where you find a potential differentiator for your product and focus it around not missing that opportunity and building it around loss. Yeah, and also, like you say, if you've got an ability to demonstrate a financial difference, that that is really where the greatest weight of evidence is for using loss aversion. So if you can show people that taking your approach saves money <laughs> or yeah. doesn't lose money, <laughs> I should say, then you are in a good position and that's a definitely the way to go. But if it's starting to become more intangible benefits, then it may work and it may not, but it maybe requires a bit more testing. There's less concrete advice, evidence, recommendations on what direction to go. Well, this was still a really great, interesting, useful discussion and very, very apropos, very timely uh, mm. for Brexit. Um, yeah. I guess until next time, don't don't miss out on the next uh, HRW Shift podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss. <laughs> Just trying to use loss aversion. Is it working? Well used. <laughs> or gain another podcast. Gain gain another podcast. Improve yourself. Gain some knowledge. <laughs> gain be, some knowledge. You'll be better for it. You'll be a better better person for all more, the knowledge you've gained. More informed.